welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Hello and welcome back everybody to the Nittany Blues podcast where we talk Penn State football, basketball, and all things Nittany Lion athletics. Thanks so much for joining us here, Andrew, along with Vince. And for the final time this season and for the final time in 2023, we have a football game post-game pod to do. And in this case, that's probably a good thing. It's probably a mercy as we (laughs) are going to try and unpack Penn State's 38-25 to loss to Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. And so I want to preface all of this by saying that normally on this show, we try to keep things clean. We try to keep things, you know, a bit above the belt and stuff like that. This episode might stress this because I just want to say, what the hell was that? This game was ugly. And more so than ugly, for me, Vince, it was just straight up disappointing because all we saw was all we've seen this entire season. We saw no evolution or adjustments or preparation on the offensive side of the football like we thought we saw against Michigan State. You can give me whatever you want about the defense. Like when you're missing as many guys as they did, especially at the cornerback position, like of course, Jackson Dart and an experienced receiving core was going to have a good day against that. I'm not even mad about the defense so much as I am about the offense. They just look putrid. They went three and out after three and out. They sputtered. They went away from the run way too early, like they've done all season long, and it bit them. They couldn't stay on the field. They kept giving the ball back to Jackson Dart, who kept throwing perfect fade after perfect fade to Trey Harris and to Prescorn, who, to their credit, made amazing catches. So got to give them credit there. But Penn State just kept trotting out these young cornerbacks who were making their very first start in a, in a New Year's Six Bowl game and expecting them to win these matchups one-on-one. And 80 to 90% of these times, these Ole Miss pass catchers were coming down with the football. And that was just the theme throughout the most of the entire game. And then finally, at the end of the game, things started loosening up in the run game for Ole Miss against Penn State defense and Quinshaw Judkins got going. And then at that point, it was a wrap because Ole Miss knew that they could go for every fourth down that they wanted and it wouldn't matter because Penn State, if they got the ball back, you know, if they somehow stopped them and got off the field, which they weren't able to do all game long, which, you know, again, lack of defensive personnel, Manny Diaz is gone, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But even if Penn State got the ball back, it wouldn't matter. They, they just weren't afraid of the offense. And quite frankly, they, they had no reason to be. Drew Aller was bad. Like, let's just paint this in a very clear light. Drew Aller was bad in this game today because not only was he inaccurate in almost all of his throws the entire game, you know, not counting, of course, the garbage time stat padding that happens with every Penn State loss, it seems, even the checkdowns and the dump offs were off target. Like, even those were almost outside the reach of the running backs or whoever he was dumping the ball off to, to the point where they had to try and catch it with one hand, collect themselves. And then at that point, they had no chance to make anything happen after the catch. 
because they were just trying to regain their footing. So I it was just so mad about the offense. Like I said, the defense, it was kind of like, sure. I mean, this was definitely a possibility here, but the offense with just showing no commitment to the run, even though that was working early. And it just seemed like they just kept putting Drew in a position where he was just let out to dry. You know, they just kept putting the ball in his hands and saying, all right, Drew, like, go make these passes, go make these plays happen. And they weren't happening for the second and the third quarter. And they kept trying it. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't go back to that inside run that was working so beautifully with Nick Singleton and Catron Allen absolutely carving up the Ole Miss defense early. They were running with a passion. And they took the ball out of their hands, especially in key moments in that game. And I just think that was the biggest downfall for Penn State. So I've ranted for about four minutes here. So Vince, I am sorry. I just have a lot that I have to get off my chest here in this episode. As you can tell, I'm I'm heated. I'm heated, man. Like I'm mad. But I want to get your thoughts here, man. What did you think of today's game? Yeah, kind of overall, it just definitely left a sour taste in my mouth. It kind of was, uh, this game was kind of what the season was, right? It, it was what I expected. They looked how Penn State looked like they did against a competent team like they did all year. Just not great. And Penn State's just not a great football team. And when you have a schedule like they do next year with Washington, USC, UCLA, they better get things figured out pretty quickly. You know, the game actually started off pretty well. I, I thought the defense especially had a, a lot of juice, a lot of energy. There were you know, a couple opportunities where they almost forced turnovers, which I thought was great. They're putting pressure on the quarterback. So early on in the game, I was thinking, oh, maybe my gut instinct that we are going to lose is going to be wrong. And, you know, maybe you know, Andrew and Bill and, and everybody else, uh, while I'm here on my island, I'm, I'm wrong. So that's what I was thinking early on. And. You know, I thought even when things weren't working, it, we'd be okay and we'd, we'd, we'd figure it out. You know, that was not the case today. Jackson Dart definitely lived up to the hype. He was making really high difficulty, you know, fades. And, you know, the corners, you know, credit them, like Cam Miller and all of them. I, I thought they had, you know, good coverage for the most part for being their first game going against a, you know, top 10, you know, opponent. I thought they held their, their own okay. So defensively, I, I thought they played with a lot of energy. I was happy with the energy and the effort. But at the end of the day, it was just Ole Miss had more talent. All of their guys opted into play with the exception of one player. So that, that definitely played a factor in, in as well. Uh, offensively, things were going, going pretty well early. I really liked that the run game was going early. Nick Singleton had a breakout run. It, it seemed like it was, well, it says his long was 18, but it definitely felt longer than that just because we haven't seen that all year. So it was really nice to see some explosive plays early. I like that the tight ends were really heavily involved. That was great. And then they kind of got away from that. There was that one drive where they tried a trick play and it went terribly wrong. It's like, things are going good. You try to run the, the trick play when, when you need a spark, right? So I really liked when they did the trick play, when they brought Bo in, when they're down 20 to 10, and he had that 40-yard touchdown pass to Nick Singleton. I thought that was a good time for it. You kind of saw Penn State starting to get into a bit of a rut, and 
Then they broke out of it and they brought it back later. I, I just think they're trying to overdo it and be too cute with some of these plays. Like it's probably going to work once, maybe twice if you're lucky. So I think they're overdoing it and they're not just sticking with the offense and trying to establish a rhythm. So, you know, that was disappointing to me. And then just kind of things we've seen all year. We saw a couple drops today, just receivers unable to get open. Terrible. Uh, this was one of Drew's worst games. And really like when you see Bo go in there and he just drops a nice dime to Nick for a touchdown, does a good job on the two point conversion, which really didn't make sense to me when you're down 21 points to really go for two, unless you're thinking like, Hey, Ole Miss is definitely going to get a field goal and we need three, two point conversions to like somehow come back with four minutes. So I, that was kind of mind boggling to me. Like, unless you're like, Hey, we want to try to get some more practice with our two point conversion plays for next year. Like that was kind of head scratching to me. So yeah, really frustrating overall. I think they should have, you know, even though they were running two thirds of their plays running the football, I think it should have been higher than that. Like should have been more, should have been more and make them do it until they stop you. You know, obviously like, Ole Miss did figure it out and they did find ways to stop it. But at that point in time, that's when you got to start driving the ball down the field a little bit more. And again, it goes to lack of separation with the wide receivers. They just don't have anyone that can beat you over the top. We really got lucky in in the first half that that drew pass that was deflected one Tyler Warren. And for some reason, no one was around him and like no yeah. one caught him for like yeah. 70 yards. Like I was, I was just like, keep running. Cause like, I don't know if he's going to score. So yeah, kind of a lot of things, ups and downs, but I, I do think the biggest difference in this game was the quarterback position. Uh, you just saw Jackson Dart go out there. He led the huddle, looked composed, even when things were going rough for Ole Miss early in the game. And he was um, getting hit too. He was getting hit. Penn state was really bringing the house at times, but the biggest difference was his ability to really just diagnose, see the field and then make like really accurate throws, especially like back shoulder fades. Like those are really tough. Like there were, there were times where I'm like, well, what else is Cam Miller supposed to do? Like he put it in a very small window where only his guy could get it. And you know, perfect offense typically beats perfect defense. So you can't be like too upset about those things. Their tight end made some incredible, like one handed catches today. I'm like, does he even catch with two hands? Like it's just everything one hand. And he was like 10, 10 of 11 for 136 yards and a touchdown. He just had a monster day. I think he had two touchdowns. Yeah, he might. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he had two. At that point in the game, he was 10 for 11. Yeah. And Penn State just could not guard this tight end. And, you know, it definitely showed, you know, losing uh, Chop Robinson and Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, just, Losing some of those guys hurts. I, I really don't think it was the difference today. I, I didn't see Coach Franklin's presser, but I, I do think he kind of blamed a lot of it of you know Olu not being available and those defensive starters and Abdul getting hurt. With injuries, yeah, well, ha- yeah, like injuries happen. Like look at Georgia today; they had several players opt out of the game. They crushed and- Florida State. They took Florida State to the woodshed and they beat them sixty-three to three. Like yeah. if you are so concerned about guys on one hand not playing in the game 
know, after touting about your depth and how you believe in all 90 of those guys in the program, like it just goes to show that the talent is not there and Penn state is falling behind. And I'm just so many things make me nervous. You know, we'll start off with my first thought. Do you think Bo should have a legitimate shot next year to compete for that QB one role? 100%. Yeah. This was one of the the things that I had as far as my thoughts, like my early thoughts for the 2024 season, like I thought it was honestly kind of crazy that they didn't at least give him another shot. Like they gave him nearly midway through the game to just see if he could make something happen in the passing game. I mean, even if, if it was just like kind of loosening things up at the second level in the Ole Miss defense, just like with his running ability, like why not give it a shot? Like you gave it a shot one time and it worked beautifully. I think he picked up, you know, a first down and then he threw that touchdown pass to Nick. And then we didn't see him touch the ball again until they tried to run the, the trick play, which sailed over Drew's head and, and it resulted in a 12 yard loss, which ultimately led to a blocked field goal for Penn State. So it another just, bad, bad play call, in my opinion. I'm like, why are you doing a trick was, play there? They were moving down the field dumb. again. Yeah. And they were doing the things that were working for them against Michigan State. They were just getting the ball to the outside of the playmakers, i.e. guys like Nick Singleton, and just letting him go to work, give the ball to him in space and let him be fast. And he just bolted up the sideline for like 25 yards. And then, you know, we do this thing that isn't that crazy, that isn't that, you know, complex and stuff like that. So what do we do now? Let's bring in our second quarterback and run this, you know, this janky ass, like two pass thing that ended disastrously because of course it would because it's Penn State. So, you know, it's that's just like a, you know, another another feather in that cap if you will. But yeah, going back to your original question, I absolutely think there should be an open competition because you know, I think that as fans of the program and stuff, we we try to put all of our belief and all of our kind of support both just physically just in the forms of like cheering and also just mentally just being there for him and stuff like that. Like we've tried to like fully be in on Drew Aller because like he was the promised guy. You know, he was the five-star recruit, the next quarterback, like the guy who was going to unlock something for the Penn State offense that just quite frankly hadn't been seen before. And through 13 games, that was not the case. And granted, we probably will never know, which is a completely different infuriating part of this whole like fan and coaching staff dynamic about like how much blame and like what actually was happening within the program to just lead to just such offensive ineptitude. Like that's a, that's a huge thing. So it's like, we don't know exactly how much of this is like drew just, you know, kind of losing the year because of maybe bad development on the, on the part of your sitch and like bad play calling stuff like that. And just lack of just trust in his receivers, which I mean, it's like, why would he trust them? They were just completely irrelevant for an entire season, which I didn't think was possible for a team of Penn state's caliber. So, but at the end of the day though, Drew was, Drew was not a difference maker in the entire season. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, in hindsight, Bo probably would have been. We might have been talking about the same exact scenario if the roles were reversed. But like, you know, so there's that. And also, James is always talking about competition. 
You know, we, we come here to compete. Everybody, every guy needs to earn his spot. He even said in his post in his post game press conference about Dante Cephas. I don't think he saw the field during the entire game. And somebody asked him about it. And he said, every, every week there's a competition to see where you are placed on the depth chart. And his playing time or lack thereof was more or less a, a result of that. And I might be paraphrasing a little bit here, but so if he's applying this to like a month long of practice to, for, you know, a guy who had finally shown something, a wide receiver that, you know, he's not getting playing time. Like why shouldn't there be an open quarterback competition? Like there were so many times that Drew was missing throws and he would come over to the sideline and you saw the conversation between him and Franklin. Franklin is just like, listen, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to look at this. Like, you know, you got to go through these progressions and stuff like that. Like, I'm not a lip reader, but you can just kind of tell from the body language and, and kind of, you know, the tenor of the conversation that they were having that like Franklin just, you know, they, they weren't on the same page with a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I absolutely think that there should be an open competition for that because it, you know, if nothing else, like Drew needs to be better. And so if competition is going to help him get to that point, then so be it. Yeah. It, it it almost reminds me of the the Hackenberg and McSorley kind of dilemma, and we were like, "Oh man, like if we would have been playing McSorley sooner, like things could have been very different." And it, it's kind of funny, like how alike it is, because everyone's like, "Oh, Hackenberg, five star, number one quarterback, like Saint prototypical, like you know, athleticism traits, arm." Like Drew has all those exact same traits, which. I don't know. It, it just seems like Christian Hackenberg 2.0 at this point. And at this point, I would hope at this point in the season, like he, I was expecting him to get better. Like I expected these, th- these things to happen in September and October, but I expected him to play closer to his potential in the month of November. So I was really disappointed to really not see improvement. Like, I liked a lot of his scrambles today. Like that's like if, if you want me to add a, add a positive, like he did a really good job running for some first downs and made some good choices there. But I, I don't know what's happening with these throws. And, you know, is Bo Trace McSorley? We, I mean, we don't really know unless he plays. Right. So it's tough to say what would be but like, Maybe this is just like, it's crazy how we went from like Coach Franklin talking about competition and him not naming, naming a starting quarterback in spring ball. And we're like, oh, we all know it's going to be Drew Aller. Like he's way better. And now I'm kind of starting to think that, oh, like Franklin was being honest. Like maybe this was a closer competition and Drew's just not as good as we think he is. And yeah, you know, not all five-star players are great. Like you get the five-star that doesn't mean the production is going to be on the field. Like the, the stars are more based on potential that these, you know, scouts or people who are giving these athletes grades, that's how they're evaluating. So yeah, really kind of disappointing to see him not improve the way we would have liked throughout the course of the season. And yeah, I think, I think there, there should be a competition next year, just like there are at all the other positions. Second question I have, we saw a lot of the you know two quarterback kind of trick plays today. Do you think that 
you know, Annie Kotelnicki maybe had some influence in incorporating some plays he thought would work, you know, just maybe sprinkling some plays in there. First part of the question. And then two, if yes, does that make you nervous for Penn State heading into the fall next year? Not really to either point. I mean, I think that they, you know, towards the the final third of the season, they were trying to incorporate Bo more and more because they just saw like just how sluggish the offense was with more of like that traditional one quarterback look. So I think this was more just a continuation of that. I mean, you saw some hints of that in Michigan State. And so with with it being Cider and Howell still calling the plays for this game, I think that was more of a continuation of what we had previously seen. But if it was, you know, maybe that was just like maybe a subtle suggestion just based off of like some film that Cole Nicky had seen already and just kind of noted like, hey, like this was working and like these types of looks and these situations and stuff like that, which if he was giving that kind of influence, like that's fine, because quite frankly, at halftime of that game, I was like, can they just have Kodal Nicky come in and like start calling these plays now? Because <laughs> I just, I was just so disappointed with so many moments. And especially at that point too, because I want to talk about that, that final, that final offensive sequence before halftime after I answer this, this next part of the question. But yeah, as far as like next season, like, no, I, I don't, I wouldn't really say I'm nervous, you know, about Kodal Nicky maybe like looking at the opportunity or anticipating the chance to use two quarterbacks and stuff like that, because like with everything else that's happening around like that two quarterback system in a, in an offense that Kotal Nikki has designed, like the stuff works, you know, <laughs> like the, the pieces around this two quarterback, you know, part of the playbook when Penn state is running are not all functioning properly. You know, like a lot, a lot of this stuff is like, it's, it's like a read option either to let Bo run with the ball or throw it to like a tight end. Like that's it. You know, there's, there's no <laughs> other options out there, especially not to a wide receiver because again, like a wide receiver, like just think about how freaking crazy this is. A wide receiver at a top 10 program did not catch a football in a game until the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter with almost like 10 minutes left in the game. Like that is just unfrickin' believable to me that we went from having Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley and before them like Jahan Dotson and a couple of these other just very, very good receivers, like guys who are playing on Sundays right now, to now we have this room full of guys who are just constantly dropping passes, are not getting separation, are not making any kind of difference at all in the game. Like there were time at time there were times in the game where I was just like, take one of them out. Like, let's let's make this 13 personnel. Bring in another tight end. Like mm-hmm. at least they're freaking doing something. Like, yeah. Like Khalil Dinkins had that yeah. big catch today. Like he always makes a big catch every single game. Like get him on the field more. Like I like you're talking about competition. Yeah. Like your job is to get the best 11 guys in the field. And Penn State's best 11 guys are in their three tight end packages. So they need to see that more. Yeah. The two best pass catchers on the team are Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, bar none. So there's that. On the on the point of the wide receivers, I want to go back to like the point again about Marcus Hagens because we, you know, kind of been pondering the, the question of was Franklin right to sack Stubblefield to bring in Marquez Hagens? And based on what we've seen, the answers are a resounding no. You know, 
we don't know what other factors are, were at play, you know, with wide receiver productivity. And granted, I mean, of course, there's other things that are playing into it, like, you know, the effectiveness of the quarterback and stuff like that. But for them just to be such a non-factor through 13 games of an entire college football season is just inexcusable to me. Like, like I said, there were, there were times where I was just straight up asking the question out loud, like, why are they even out there? And quite frankly, you know, we didn't get it during the postgame press conference today. I don't know if we're going to have like a postseason presser for James to, you know, kind of put a, a cap on the season or whatever. I would love to have an explanation, like full candid explanation from either him or from Hagen's to talk about why that group had been so invisible all year long, because that it's just, it's just unconscionable to me. And I think the most frustrating part about that whole conversation is that we'll probably never understand the full reasons why, why that was the case. Like Franklin likes to keep things close to the chest. He's not going to dive too much into the inner mechanics of his program. And especially with things that weren't working particularly well for an entire season. So we'll probably never know, but I want to talk about the, the offensive series that happened right before halftime, because this to me was the most dumbass part, like the entire game offensively. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to knock on a guy who came into the program, you know, he's like a senior and trying to like, you know, get that final opportunity, especially a place that's like close to home. But why are you dying on the Trey Potts Hill in your final possession when you're down and you have the opportunity to go and score points, go into halftime, get the ball back and score points again when you've got Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, who were both dealing in the first half and neither one of them see the ball in that entire offensive series. Because granted, the inside run worked fine. Trey Potts picked up a first down. That's great. Then the next place, inside run to the left, gets completely snuffed out by Ole Miss. Next play, overthrown ball to Trey Potts in the flat. So that results in nothing. It's third and 10. They then try to run Drew up the middle, which goes for no <laughs> gain. And then they punt. So again, you had you, and this was this happened right after Drew or Bo threw that dime to Nick to bring it back within a one score game. So you just had this great couple of offensive plays, and then you're running out with that stuff. Like, are you kidding me? This is this is the kind of stuff that's been frustrating us all season long, where they're doing things, they show signs of working against what they're seeing defensively, and then they just say all right, shuffle the deck again. We're going to do something different. And then that doesn't work. It kills the momentum that they have offensively. And then you get the result that you saw on the field today. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. And I, you know, I just, like I said, I keep, I kept saying to myself, I'm like, God, Kotal Nikki cannot get in here soon enough just to like remove some of this dumb shit that we're, we're seeing here. Yeah. But the thing is that they did change it. They went from your shits to, uh, you know, cider. It's the and, same scheme, though. How, you know, like, like I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just a like. Maybe that's just a like a a side effect of you know his being there for a couple seasons. It's like you have the scheme in place, you have the things, whatever you have the philosophy and stuff. Then maybe cider and how like picked up on. It. I I don't know. Maybe maybe Franklin had more say in the play calling than we thought. I I don't know what it was, man, but. It, like something's got to give. And I, 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 I just hope to God that it's Kotal Nikki. Yeah, we hope. And this is a thing that 
you know, Franklin's throwing darts at offensive coordinators and he's only hit once. You know, he did that with uh, Joe Moorhead and, you know, I, I'm, I think looking at this, I, I think it's more, I think the bi- biggest difference is the quarterback position. You know, there was definitely regression from other groups, but y- you can't tell me that Sean Clifford would have played to this level, like to the point where we can't score. Like this team had, he had 400 passing yards against Ohio state. Now, granted that came with like a lot of turnovers, but they were able to move the ball down the field and perform at a much higher level. You know, even the Rose Bowl against a very highly touted Utah Utes defense dropping 35 points. You can make the excuse that, oh, Cam Rising got hurt and then the game got away. But like still the defense had all their guys. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, just a kind of a really a, a losing season that could have been great. Just so disappointing. I, I do think there was definitely a regression in the you know, wide receivers getting open. There just seems to be nobody there. And, you know, maybe Sean would have had the same problems. And, you know, I think there was regression amongst the offensive line, which is really disappointing. I was expecting big things from them, especially with the, you know, arguably the, the best offensive tackle in the country. And you're telling me we can't run the ball. And, you know, I, I know he didn't play today. He was suited up and everything, but still, you know, this is, these are the same problems that we've seen throughout the course of the season. And, you know, I, I don't know what you can do. Maybe pick up some guys in the portal, pull a Deion Sanders and say, Hey, get some guys that can play. I was surprised Dante Cephas wasn't it. And, you know, definitely surprising not to see him today. Huge disappointment. Yeah. And especially like, it's, it's not like, you know, Harrison Wallace was balling out and you're like, okay, just let him keep going. Like, try something new. Uh, like you saw Liam Clifford in there. A couple he was nice, wide receiver one. He, he was, was the only one doing anything. Yeah. He, he was like the only one. He, he had a couple nice catches today, but you know, it's, like, let's put this into perspective. Dante Cephas apparently was so bad in practice or he just hadn't shown enough that Penn State was turning to Trey Wallace, who they weren't even sure was going to be healthy enough to play in this game. Like that, that was that was the the state of things from the wide receiver group. And it's like, sure, you want to bank on his on his speed? Fine. That that wasn't worth a damn for you know, three quarters and some change. Why not give Cephas a look? You, you've you seen him, you know, break things open in the passing game in a couple games this season. Like, why not? Why not try it? You're throwing spaghetti against the wall with a bunch of other stuff. So why not do that? You know? Yeah. It's, it's a little mind boggling. And let's be honest, Penn State was really optimistic about their chances to win this football game. I yeah. know, you know, I know from my sources, they were feeling good and then they just got punt, you know, punched in the mouth, kicking the teeth, whatever expression you want to use. Like it was, this was bad. And this was a game where like, you know, Penn state fans were just really down about the season. Beat everyone we were supposed to beat, not super high quality opponents. Iowa was the only ranked one. 
and they didn't have an offense. Their offense was somehow worse than ours, which I'm not sure how that can happen. But the way we dropped 31 points on Iowa was just grinding it out, and they went away from the run. And it's just like, yep, why not go back to that? Like that's here's here's a you, here's a stat for you. You have to be with the, the inability to create separation. Like here here's a stat for you because I, I had to screenshot this because it was just so amazing to me. First half runs by Penn State running backs Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the very first drive of the game. The two of them combined for five carries for sixty two yards. In the next five drives combined, they had seven carries for seventeen yards. Like what the hell is that? <laughs> It's it's not that crazy. Like you got to give your best players the ball. Like it's that's why they're the skill position players. Like I I don't get it. Like two point conversion. You have Nick in motion on that two point conversion, and you know the corner over pursues a little bit, and he's wide open for like a walking touchdown. Why are we not doing more things like that? Like get your best guy in motion, and then like. Because it makes play. too much sense. It makes it's, too much sense. It's Penn, it's Penn State. We can't do that. It's against the rules. Yeah, and it, you know, yeah. So it's just, it's just. I don't understand why two average people can have this conversation, and then like these guys that are getting paid millions of dollars are putting that product out there. Like it's well, that that's an interesting thing you say there because I saw I saw a tweet today from Joe Gilio one of the, you know, guys out of, out of Philly who from WIP, you know, super well-known guy, he had a really poignant tweet that kind of hit home for me. And he said that James Franklin makes $8.5 million a year. And he is now, he now has a losing record in bowl games in his time at Penn state. And that's not all new year six bowls that we're talking about here. Like we're talking about a handful of bowls that you know, would be played on like December 20th and, and stuff like that too. So not exactly a great stat that you want to see from your leading man, especially going into next season when the big 10 is just about to get more difficult to win. And quite frankly, more difficult to accumulate 10 win seasons because the case that that's been for Penn state the past, you know, a couple of seasons here has been, if they're able to win their non-conference games, they're almost guaranteed a 10-win season because they're not going to beat Ohio State or Michigan, but they should beat everybody else on the schedule. So that is far from the case next season. Yeah, they got a lot of tough games. They got Ohio State. They got <laughs> USC, UCLA, Washington. They got they go to Wisconsin, which I think could be another tough game. You got on the road at Virginia, West Virginia, who... I didn't think they were very good, but they put together an eight and four season this year and uh, won their bowl game over the Tar Heels. So mm-hmm. it's just they gotta they gotta do something, man. Like it's just enamoring that we're getting these top ten recruiting classes and like yeah, the wins are there, but like why are we never beating a good opponent? Like we're never beating a good opponent. And that just yeah. bugs me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that really is just, just adds more to the difficult hill that 
Franklin has to climb in kind of the public perception of the fan base for Penn State because like Penn State went one and three this season against ranked opponents with the the lone win being against Iowa, like you mentioned. Penn State's going to face a lot more ranked opponents next season and Franklin's, you know, quite candidly, Franklin's record against ranked opponents is terrible. So he really needs to make sure that he wins some of these games and by extension, my my belief is that he really needs his hires of Kotelnicki and Allen to be like bullseye hits because quite frankly, his his job might depend on it, depending on, you know, their ability to just turn things around in this offseason, address the areas that they need to address, maybe hit the transfer portal hard for some of these high leverage positions because Next year could get ugly. I mean, we're having this conversation and Penn State went 10 and 3. Like, we're super pissed. And next year, it could be volcanic. Yeah. And that's that's definitely the, the passionate fan base coming out. But, you know, if, you, if you, Joe Paterno had some like 7 and 5 and 8 and 4 seasons. Like, oh, he had plenty of seasons where he sucked. <laughs> like, let's just yeah. be frank. Yeah. And, and like, he wasn't fired. You know, it's it a different end. time, though. You know, yeah. like it, at Penn State is as a program and the expectations that are around it are a completely different animal, you know, I, and we, we could have a whole different podcast about the expectations and the thoughts and the emotions behind the program now, as opposed to say like back in 2005, 2008, 2009 and those years. And, you know, but now like. It's all it's all about the national championship. It's all about getting to the college football playoff. And the perception is if you don't get there, then by you know, to, to many people, your season kind of is is counted as a failure. It's counted as a waste. Now, not everybody believes that, but there's there's plenty of people that do. And when you throw in the fact that, you know, NIL is playing such a an integral role in college football today and knowing kind of just how deep the pockets are of Penn State just in terms of its boosters, its fan base and stuff like that. Now granted, like if, if you were to completely open the books of Penn State as far as their NIL dealings compared to some of the other top programs, like Penn State is probably nowhere near like where they are now. But there there's a sleeping giant there that the fans are, you know, slowly like waking up to, I believe, and like quite frankly, like if they're fun, you know, if they're like pumping this money into the program to result in certain, you know, endings like to the season, then if those two things aren't matching up, you're like you're you're going to be run out of town pretty quickly. And that just like wasn't the case when when Joe Paterno was at Penn State because pitch was always like we focus on academics, we like to get to a bowl game. Every once in a while, we like to compete for the Rose Bowl. And every once in a blue moon, you know, maybe we have a shot at the national championship and we'll capitalize on that. It's a different ballgame now, at least in my opinion. So I'll get off my soapbox about that. Yeah, I, I think those are some valid points. I, I do think you have to look into Franklin's buyout. Like, I don't think we're in a position like A&M where yeah, it's just going to be I mean, like, it- okay, we're going to buyout here like uh, it's that's not gonna happen uh, like, what is this buyout do we know i'm not sure but he has a lot of guaranteed money because 
a while ago he did the 10 year deal. That was what, like four years ago. And then he got another extension. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. We'll have to look more into that, but like, I know it's like 70 million. I'll just say that. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty high. It's not chump change. Yeah. And I know of like, you know, some Penn state employees being like, Oh, we, we didn't get our cost of living raised this year. Like, so I think, I don't know if the university is in position to be like, okay, like we can do Franklin's buyout and then, you know, throw tons of money at a, another coach. Hmm. I don't know, man, for the price of tuition that they charge, I, I find it very hard to believe that they're strapped for cash. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> okay. But I mean, when there's employees not getting cost of living. That just sounds crazy. like a bad employer. Yeah. Uh, but like Penn State's known to nickel and dime for like everything. Like their oh, yeah, employees have my to. Dad. He'll tell you yeah, all like, about that. Like they have to pay tons of money for parking. Like yeah, they can't even park at their job that they work at. Like they have to pay tons of money to be able to park at their job. Like that's it's insane. Yeah. But anyway, you know, there's good thing, good things about Penn State, and then there's you know not so great things about Penn State. Another thing that wasn't great. It was the defense and the defenses you get gave up 38 points today. Not great. You're not going to win many games, especially in the big 10. If you're giving up 38 points on a scale of one to 10, what is your level of concern going into next year without Manny Diaz and all three starting cornerbacks, losing Adisa Isaac, losing chop Robinson, losing some seniors to graduation, what is your level of concern on a scale of one to 10? Right now, I'd probably put it at about a six because I like the talent that they still have in coming, that they still have coming back at pass rusher. I like the talent that they'll have at linebacker. And for the most part, I like the talent that they have at safety with KJ Winston and Jalen Reed. It's the cornerbacks that scared the, the crap out of me because like I, I know that, you know, Dart was making some great throws, but man, did it just look like Cam Millen and Zion Tracy were just getting cooked all game long. Like they just, they just looked like they could not cover those guys one-on-one. And it's like, of course, this is, this is their first game that they're seeing like this much action because Kalen King and Johnny Dixon are not playing in it, but holy cow, was that just a constant theme especially on like third and long they just they were picking on them and once it seemed like once dart found who was it trey wallace on the old miss side it was just like a wrap because he could just look his way throw the ball up to him and he was coming down with it more times than not so you know i think that they need to really develop those guys in the offseason or they need to hit the the portal hard to try and find some some cornerback talent because I think that that could potentially be, you know, a major weakness for the defense next season. And on that note as well, I just want to throw something out here as as more of like a ranty thing. But if you're if you're Cam Miller, don't do the freaking like seatbelt celebration in the end zone when the wide receiver drops the ball when you've been cooked all game long. Yeah. Only for <laughs> Ole Miss on the very next play to score a touchdown on an easy like on an easy pass and catch to Quinshawn Judkins. Like, don't do the freaking seatbelt thing, man. Like, you haven't done 
anything to like warrant that. I thought it was like a sword. Like he was like putting the no, sword. No, he, he, like, grab, no, he grabs it like the seatbelt, you know, from his shoulder, like he'd be in a car and then he straps it like, you know, so, you know, have the corner say like, oh, like, like I, I strap, like he, he strapped, put on the straps and stuff like that. Like, that's what that was. Oh yeah, I, I know they the old Miss players did the same celebration. It's funny. I thought he was and like they also did the the wings too. Did you see uh, that? Yeah, I saw the lockdown you with the the turnover at the end there, uh, as to be expected. Oh, they also had like that like basketball hoop thing that was like super annoying. And hey, man, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna you know like run all over a team you know, <laughs> offensively, it's just like. Like what? What do we have to complain about? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're they're just they're completely dominating Penn State. Did you see? This is kind of funny. After Drew threw that interception, which I mean, like Drew, gotta get the ball out quicker, man. Like, figure figure out what you're doing, get the ball out quicker. You're holding on to the ball way too long. But when he threw that pick, like that arm punt that went for like 50 yards, the camera turned to the woman. Who oh, and like, turn? Who turn? What the f was that? Yeah, exactly. So, the, so somebody. I mean, somebody was doing a tremendous job as a sports journalist on that because there was an article about that before the game was even over. And the and the woman who did that on live TV, that was the mother of Kaziah Izzard. <laughs> so it was so funny because she she just she sounded like you know just you know in the in the written summary of the thing she sounded mortified because she was just like it was just in the heat of the moment i love all the guys and and stuff like that it was more of just like you know a like a a reaction to like how things were going not about any like individual players and stuff but she just said that like you know she she was obviously there watching the game and then after that happened she just started getting a flood of messages from people saying that they saw her on tv reacting to the interception and stuff so uh, that was that was pretty funny but yeah (laughs) Well, we were all thinking it like she, she was, was all of us because we're, we're all like, well, we're all like, oh, what, what the F was that? Yeah, I literally like, just, I, <laughs> like I, I had, I had been like keeping my composure in my living room through most of the game up to that point. But when the ball was in the air and you could just, I mean, you could just see like the, the speed at which that came out of Drew's hand, you're like, that's a pick. Like there's no way, like if there's any defender in the area that like has any kind of like leverage against pass catcher that's pick and i like i did the thing like where my voice like crescendoed through the anger i was like what the hell was that (laughs) you know and and of course like the guy came down with it and it's just yeah just terrible oh man lots of bad and uh, even special teams even special teams the block like Mm -hmm. no no phase was like great today yeah it's true let's see what else do we got oh yeah Real, I mean, quite honestly, to me, a huge part of the game was lost when Abdul Carter got hurt, which he actually posted a video about this after the game. And he said, is this like, how is this not illegal? And you look at the replay, the guy, the guy just straight up dove at Carter's leg, which I don't know, just didn't really like kind of look like it was kind of a, a clean sportsman-like play to me, but whatever. But then, you know, I respect him trying to play through injury and like play through the pain and stuff like that. But Penn State should have pulled him a lot sooner than they did because he just, he was not effective as a linebacker. Like once he tried to like come back into the game, because 
couldn't generate a pass rush. He was getting juked by Quinshawn, trying to like bring him down. He just, he just, he wasn't like making a difference anymore. He was just kind of becoming a liability. And I hate saying that about him because we, we know how awesome he is, but you know, to me, they, they should have pulled him, but yeah, that, that was, that was like a huge moment in the game where I was just like, well, you know, we, we basically just lost the best defender who like had, had a chance at shutting down, you know, 40% of Ole Miss's offense when they decide not to throw the ball to the outside of Trey Wallace. But yeah, so that, that sucked as well. Yeah. Trey Harris just crushed or us. Trey Harris. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no phase is great today. It's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, it is, it is what it is. Like it, it's kind of one of those things where like the positivity is like, Oh, well, at least I don't, have to live in Mississippi or like at least my school's like, you know, catch race isn't like hotty toddy, which I, I don't know what that means, but I'm just like, oh, just, I'm glad, glad it's not. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not an old Miss fan still. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy that, you know, they, they, the program has been in existence for over a hundred years and this is their first 11 win season ever. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the Manning's going there. Some of the Manning's going there. So well, just one of them or no, it was two. Oh yeah. yeah, Cause didn't Archie go there? Yes, he did. You're right. Arch, Arch Manning and Eli both went there and then Peyton went to Tennessee, Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Which I saw a clip of like Kirby smart playing corner and he like picked off Peyton Manning. Oh, did he? It's kind of wild to think of. That's probably a clip that he'll show, you know, well, I mean like the, the guy's got, multiple national championships now but if anybody ever questions his ability to play he he's probably like so quick to like pull it up on his phone and he's just like oh you like you don't know what you're doing and you're like you know what you're saying it's like oh yeah like check this out and he's just like <laughs> throwing him throw, throwing up a clip of him picking off one of the one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game yeah that's uh i saw that clip today and i uh, thought that was impressive okay well, well maybe like one more thing before yeah. we wrap on this i think we've kind of just went over and covered most of the points of, you know, kind of just low quality offense, defense, special teams, coaching, like nothing was great today. The only time Jackson Dart missed was like when he was trying to dunk on the basketball hoop and just failed miserably. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like ricked it. That was like the only thing that went for Penn state (laughs) and in the game. But I, I do think one thing that should be talked about is, and I, I think actually Lane Kiffin was the one who made made this first point earlier, was the, the transfer portal happening when it does. Now, Penn State wasn't necessarily a victim in this, but you saw Ohio State lose to Missouri 14-3, to which, yes, we love seeing Ohio State fans, like, in misery or whatever. And, you know, we're all like, Oh, we're so sad for Ohio state. Like nothing bad things always happen to them. Like bad things don't happen to Ohio state. But do you think it's just like odd for the transfer portal to happen right after like the regular season conference games? Like it it doesn't make sense. And Lane Kiffin was saying that, Oh, they don't have like free agency when like playoffs start. And I think he made a really valid point. So that was kind of my first point there. And I felt like some of the bowl games with all of these opt-outs, like it just really lowers 
the quality of the product that is out there for fans to watch. Like this is going to get fixed next year with the playoff, you know, being 12 teams, but like, like the Georgia Florida state game, bunch of players opted out. The quality was a lot lower. Same thing for Ohio state, Missouri, you know, Ohio state really not fielding a squad losing, you know, their two of their top three wide receivers and their quarterback. Like, like when are you going to see your quarterback not play? Like that's just very bizarre. And especially the only other example I can think of is like Kenny Pickett a couple of years ago when they played, who was it? Michigan state in like the, what was it? The orange bowl. Yeah. And at that point, that's when like NIL wasn't really much of a thing. And you understand the players opting out because they're not getting paid. Well, you look at some of those AL deals, like those guys are getting paid. Like the guys who are opting out are the ones who are making the big money. And like, do you think that should be, you know, part of the deal? Like if you want this money, you got to play in all the games if you are healthy. Cause I, I think it, it, it should. I mean, I, I think this problem will go away with the college football playoff expanding, but like maybe like, I don't know, let's, let's say like, I don't know, like Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, let's say their season went differently and they made the college football playoffs and they were like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to lose a lot of money if I get hurt in the college football playoffs. Like, I'm not going to play. Like, let's yeah. say they were like a 12 seed or something. Like, yeah. It, it, like, don't you think that would be bizarre to not play all the games on the schedule? Like, what other sport do they have opt outs? Like, I don't know. I I think that needs to be like eliminated and that needs to count as some of your season or you don't get that NIL money. And I feel like they should have, you know, contracts for this, like NFL, the players all play out all the games, like, or they don't get paid. Like they get a game check. So I I think that's really important and maybe needs to be more, more heavily considered. So that way the, the product is out there. Like these guys are getting paid now. It's not like, you know, they're just on scholarship and now they have everything to lose and they'll never have any money. It's like you're, you're, a lot of the guys who are opting out have money to like set them up for the rest of their lives, like before the NFL like even happens. So what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Should it be allowed after the conference championships? And two, should like opt outs be a lot allowed for these players who are making tons of money and just choosing not to play? Yeah, great question. So to the first one, I, I agree with Lane Giffen as well. I think that there needs to be like, you know, kind of a pushed back opening, if you will, to the transfer portal, because it just it creates such a, a weird and, in my opinion, slightly toxic dynamic to college football, especially with a lot of these programs that are still playing for like some of these high profile bowl games, you know, whether they're New Year's Six or not. Like, you know, we we talked in our last part of the episode before about how Franklin and Kraft were getting messages and communications about guys who hadn't even like officially entered their name into the transfer portal. So it just becomes like such a free for all with some of these programs that are currently trying to like play for bowl games and like prepare and stuff like that and doing recruiting on top of that and stuff like that. Like it just adds such you know, kind of like, like a shadowy dynamic to, to the game when there's already like so much just craziness and almost feelings of it being like the wild west and just every man for himself sort of deal. 
And, you know, so I do agree that it, you know, there, there should be some consideration to that because, you know, it's, it's like for the NFL or major league baseball or something else, like everything happens after the championship, you know, everything opens up after that free agency starts, like, you know, guys are fired, guys are hired and stuff like that. Like, I, I think college football should definitely follow suit. And on your point, you know, these being part of like these deals, I, I agree, you know, because if I'm, if I'm paying, like, let me put it to you this way. Especially if you're like a PSU alumni donor. Uh, yeah. Contributing like, to all these NIL initiatives. Let me, yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Like if I'm owner of XYZ business or something like that, and I'm paying, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't want to like call any of our guys out like specifically, but let me just say like, if, if I'm a business owner in Ohio and I'm paying Marvin Harrison Jr. Like all this money to, you know, be like an NIL ambassador, if you will, to my business, like help me promote Mm -hmm. my business and stuff like that. I'm not paying him because he's Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm paying him because he's really freaking good at football on Saturdays. And And you want him to be playing on Saturdays. Exactly. So I think that there, there is probably going to be more of that in the future. Some of these, you know, clauses in the, in the fine print, if you will, just saying like, you need to play in every single game in X, you know, in, in this season, including a bowl game that your program may be invited to, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I I think that to your point, I think that actually would kind of help things a lot because I, I mean, look at, we're already, you already have a third of the new year six bowl games that were just greatly diminished by a huge amount of opt-outs in Florida state and Georgia and Ohio state and Missouri. So, you know, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a product quality problem for the NCAA. It's going to have a trickle down effect in terms of like a, a certain level of apathy. I mean, I don't know how many fans from Florida state even would have made the trip for the orange bowl this year because of like the, the playoff snub and the fact that they had so many guys like opt out of the game and stuff like that. Like they just like straight up didn't care because they just felt like it was just such a slap in the face for them to even have to like play that game as opposed to vying for a national championship. So it's like, you know, if you have this thing going on and the, the game, the organization behind that said bowl game and by extension, the NCAA, if they're losing a ton of money every year, and more and more every year because this becomes a growing trend, like they're going to pay attention to it. And so I I don't, I don't know how quickly that, that change will come. Maybe some form of regulation will come from the NCAA in some, in a a case like this, maybe, maybe not because the NCAA is gutless in a lot of, (laughs) in a lot of situations, but that's just kind of my long winded way of saying, like, I, I agree with you. Like there, there, there's a product quality prog- problem out there. Like when it comes to non playoff games and a lot of it is probably going to be solved with the expanded playoff, like you said, but it's, it's a growing trend. Yeah. And like these new year's six bowls are supposed to mean something. They're supposed to be a big freaking deal. And it's not like it's, a, it was a joke. Like Georgia, Florida state today was a joke. And yeah, even like Missouri, Ohio state, it was kind of a joke, like, you know, and, and like Ohio State, and Missouri, they weren't to the level of like Florida State and Georgia where like half the roster didn't play like like 
I would say Ohio State had a similar amount of guys not there that we did. And like maybe Missouri was more kind of like I, I don't know, know if they had any opt outs. They might they, they might not have. Yeah, I don't think they did to my knowledge, or at least when I was watching. So, but like still, when you're you're getting like Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing, like that changes the game so much. They looked like Iowa out there. Like it was it was embarrassing. And yeah, it's just it's something that it's just not fun for anybody. And here's a Australia, here's a fun little Australia, anecdote. Australia. I'll bet you I'll bet you Ohio State fans appreciated uh, Kyle McCord a hell of a lot more after after yeah. that game. Yeah, and like if you're Ryan Day, it's just like why aren't you trying to keep that guy on your roster? Like you could bring in some outside talent, but like why are you not keeping him? Like you're losing your starting quarterback for like this big game, and yep. he lost one game. Like yep. So I mean, there's. No one knows what's going on behind the scene, but man, like, like, yeah, like college football is definitely losing a lot of the fun. And like, it's like the only fun thing that's left is the college football playoff, which I'm really looking forward to in a couple of days. So it starts tomorrow, got, doesn't it? So it's New Year's Day. It's not New Year's Eve this year. I they see. Play, okay. Yeah, because they have the NFL games tomorrow because it's Sunday. And then right. they'll be playing January 1st. So who do you got? I think... Uh, think Michigan's going to win potentially but yeah I think I'm going to Michigan and then man UW and Texas I think that's going to be a great game I think I'm going to go Huskies I think I'm going to go Huskies yeah same I agree I think that I, I think Michigan's going to be able to do enough against Jalen Milrow and I mean Washington is yet to lose. Yeah. Yeah. So really exciting. And, and like Washington seems to always find a way. I think Texas maybe has more talent. But Probably. Yeah. So I think Texas has more talent, but I don't know. My, my guts just tell me UW is going to find a way to win. Like, I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe they're going to be like Florida State where they're like, oh, we should be playing in the Rose Bowl as the one seed. And now we travel, which is it's actually going to be like a home game for Texas because it's. Which bowl is it? The Cotton Bowl? No. It was the Fiesta Sugar bowl? bowl. Oh, Fiesta Bowl. Okay. Fiesta Bowl, which is in Texas, right? No, Fiesta is or, in Arizona. Oh, okay, Arizona. So, like, but that's not too far. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot closer for or did for Ohio State Or did Ohio State play in the Fiesta Bowl? Hang on a second. We're getting all of our bowls mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. So it's Michigan and Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Sugar Bowl. And yeah. And the Sugar Bowl is in. Yeah, that's uh, in San Antonio, right? Or no, that's the Alamo Bowl. Yes. All right. Hang on. <laughs> Isn't it, wait. So the Sugar Bowl is not in like Dallas or no, New Orleans, maybe? Oh, no. It's it's in it's in Louisiana. It's at yeah, the, New Orleans. the Superdome. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's like pretty much a home. That's not far for Texas fans to go. Like it's a bordering no. state. Like and plus it's Texas. Like they're, they're going to, tra- they were going to travel anywhere. Yeah. So like, it's, again, it's that's like, time, a- it's the first time since like 2012 that they have a realistic shot at, you know, competing for a national championship. Like, like, can you imagine like how much money just in terms of, you know, like alumni <laughs> pockets are going to be in that building in that game? Like, it's going to so be insane. Much. 
Yeah. Well, I, I do think Washington should have been the number one team. I I think they're my money to win them all, but I I do think, man, them having to play like hours away from Austin, like I feel like that's going to be a really tough ask. I might even almost change my answer just because they're playing Texas. Like, oh, you mean going to be a, hours away from Seattle? No, no, from like Austin. Like it's probably like a four hour drive from Austin. Like it's probably not that far. But so you mean the fact that Washington has a farther way to go than Texas means well, I, I view that pretty much as like like a home game. That would be like like yeah. uh, Penn State playing in the link or something for like a college football playoff game. Right. Like, okay. You just be like, it. wow, we have a huge advantage because like I don't know, like we're playing Oregon or something in Philly, and like you know, it's. Wait, what, I'd be did like, you, what did you think of the fan like the fan turnout in Atlanta today? I thought it was pretty solid. It looked like it was like 50-50. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool too. Our buddy Russell from Tennessee told me he was going and one of my friends who lives in Hanover went. So he made the trip from PA. And uh, Do you remember my cousins from Georgia who tailgated with us, I think it was for Iowa? Yes. They were there. They were there at the game. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for all those Penn State fans who just like right? had to pay and watch that. Like, Yeah. Just pay, pay like, you know, a hundred plus bucks for a ticket just to you know like just get freaking like gaslit by your and team. The, yeah and the tickets sold out pretty quickly too so like you had to be quick you couldn't like wait till the day before so like it's just i don't know like when 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 we had the offer to go down to atlanta i was like oh, i just i just i'm gonna be so like po'd if i like pay tons of money to go down there and they just stunk it up like well there you go did today so like avoided very that happy bullet. very happy like i was just at my house and i could like watch on tv and just yeah just be mad mad on my own and like looking on my phone over the commercials and like just decompress a little bit like so again feel bad for the penn state fans who dropped all the money and then had to watch them lose by three touchdowns like it was just like yeah not. i hope i hope the rest of the trip was fun yeah, I hope I hope Atlanta was a fun city. I haven't been there, so heard it's fun. So hopefully there was fun stuff to do because <laughs> the football game didn't look too fun, especially that second half. Speaking of the football game, ours, do you want to do any players of the game or do you think you we should just <laughs> like <sighs> forgo that for this for this direct? Oh man, do we I mean it's tradition. I feel I feel like we have to. Yeah, let's do, you, do, it. do you have a player of the game? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's Tyler Warren. He's he was the lone bright spot, man. Beast. I mean, thank God that guy's coming back in 2024 because we have a competent pass catcher who's going to be on the team. Like, like the the crazy thing is, like, even on that last or on that long catch and run that he had, he still had to catch that with one hand because that got tipped, which. Another thing I forgot to mention, how the hell are you a six foot six quarterback and get like 10% of your passes tipped at the line? How does that happen? So the pass got tipped. Tyler caught it with his left hand. And I don't know if everybody around him was just so awestruck by the catch because then he just escaped from all of those tacklers from there. Like, so it was a majestic catch and run. He did some other good things, made some tough contested catches. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, he was, he was, you know, hands down the most 
effective pass catcher of the day for Penn State. So he, he's the bird brawler. Nobody on defense, nobody on special teams, just Tyler. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go with uh, tight end as well. I think I'll go Theo Johnson making a big touchdown catch. Yep. I was like, oh, he's going to get that second one and make my communion prediction come true. A little short. So that was a bit of a bummer. Another guy I had in consideration was denied at a Sutton, especially early in the game. He was just like hugely disrupting what Ole Miss was able to do offensively. So he's up there as well. It was kind of between those guys. So, but for me, like the tight end seems to be the best position group. And like, I think Nick's another good candidate for the finale fighter as well. Yeah. No, I, I feel like I need to change it to Nick. I feel like Nick hasn't had one like all year, really. I don't think he's gotten the award. He yet. has just been itching to, and you know, he finally was able to scratch that itch a little bit against Michigan State. But man, that guy was just primed to break out a long run in this game, and they just took the ball out of his hands. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'll give it give it to Nick because like I I know I know Theo had the the big touchdown catch, but like Nick had like several explosive plays today. He had that like forty yard touchdown reception. I feel like it'd be very unfair not to give that to him. And yeah. that that catch and run was also awesome because he was surrounded by by three Ole Miss defenders and he still escaped from it. That was like Saquon esque. It was, yeah. So I think that was definitely very, very earning as well, along with that Tyler Warren catch. Like that was that was crazy. Like Nick was the number two receiver today with eighty six yards. Man, shouldn't be that way. Should not be that way. And and if you look at these numbers, literally everybody averaged at least five yards per carry. Katron, 5.1. Nick, 6.3 yards per carry. Drew, 8 yards a carry. Bo, 5.3. Trey Potts even averaged 5, five yards a carry. It's painful. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, it's just... 20- it, it's inexplicable. Yeah, it's... 28 and like like you said early they had so many rushes early and then they just got away from it they were gashing them and you know on that first on that first drive we we should have saw the writing on the wall when you know their their play call for third and four inside the 10 was that inside slant to Trey that of course didn't work and they decided not to run the ball again. We should we should have known that that's how that game was going to go after they they flubbed that play and then they had to settle for a field goal to go up three nothing. We we should have known. Yeah, like if you were to tell me like Penn State would have five guys five guys averaging five yards per carry, I'd be like, man, they're going to win, and I'm like I'm going to be exactly. so jacked up. Like, man, and then like Drew, like, he almost had three hundred yards. If you were to tell me that side, I'd be like, oh, things are going really well. Like if you were to tell me those things, but incredible, allegedly. Well, uh, to be fair, like like seventy five of those came on that one catch and run from Tyler. So that's take true. that with that, a grain of salt. Very true, valid point. That that was actually something that highly went our way today. Yeah, I know that was like the only thing. Yeah. So, oh man, well, it's been fun. Any other? venting you just need to get out before we we call it a pod i don't think so man i've gotten all my thoughts out here i've i was able to cover all my notes of which i had plenty i was i was like angrily typing away 
at my keyboard in between the third and the fourth quarter. And Julie came downstairs. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm venting via notes. <laughs> Cause I just, I mean, I was just absolutely steaming at that point because it's just, you know, it was, it was just all going badly. You know, it, like we'll, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do report cards and stuff like that to, you know, put a bow on, on this season, but 10 win season. Very good by most program standards in the context of the talent that Penn State was supposed to have and the promise of, you know, finally competing for another Big Ten championship. This this season was a disappointment. We can, you know, call a spade a spade in this situation. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that, that it needs to be, you know, black and white to translate to it being a bad season per se, but I think, you know, we're able to, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But we're able to kind of candidly speak our minds and like, you know, not feel guilty about talking bad about a season that still had a lot of success, you know, by a lot of other teams, success metrics, but I don't have anything else on this game excited for our, you know, next upcoming pods. We'll, like I said, we'll do report cards and we'll have more basketball stuff and whatnot. Like I said, probably a mercy that this is our last post game pod that we'll do this year because man, that was not a fun game. Yeah. I, I do think it's funny though, that like you and Julie are so like connected that she knows your mood just based off of how you're typing, like from oh, a different God. room. Yeah. No, she, she was upstairs and she, she literally walked down the steps because I was just like slamming my keys so hard. It's like, Duh. like, Exactly. Like I was just like capitalizing my, my, my notes, like the, the start of every sentence with just, just so much vigor that I'm just going to like punch through my keyboard at some point. <laughs> Instead of like you breaking your TV, you're going to be like one of those fans who like breaks their laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I go beyond the point of like typing on the keys with like my individual fingers. I just use my fist each time. <laughs> oh man. What just that's just what it's like to be a Penn State fan, man. Like at just, least this year it is. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I saw I saw like some funny stuff on Barstool. There was like some old guy that's like, I'm going home shirtless. He's like, I'm throwing my he's like, I'm burning my he's like, I feel so embarrassed wearing like a Penn State jersey. And then like I saw another thing that was like PSU stands for like Payne State University. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of sports pain this year year so seriously yeah so hopefully uh 2024 is better along new with year the, new us man yeah new year new us like so along with report cards we might also do some like new year's resolutions which cool will be, will be fun so maybe we'll do that for you guys next week to kind of celebrate the new year in 2024 and maybe it'll be new year new vince maybe i'll be more optimistic about the games <laughs> And maybe I'll be more pessimistic because this season, I, I feel jaded. <laughs> I feel a little jaded. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I agree. And to have a season like this when you have two running backs like Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, like next year is probably going to be their last year, at least for Nick, like even probably both, just because the way the NFL use running backs, like that's probably going to be our last year with those two guys. And like we don't take advantage, like, and like make a playoff run like that's a waste that, that would be 
yeah, a waste of their time here. And I, I almost felt that way, you know, kind of like with, Sa- with Saquon, like we should have, that's the year we should have been playing in a college football playoff. And we just, you know, we lose the pet second week of the season and, you know, that messes things up. And then we lose the game to like Michigan state that we should not lose. And it's just, one of those things blow a 38 to seven league or whatever lead they had that day. It was just, yep. It's just one of those things that, you know, you, 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 you got to capitalize on the opportunity and it, it needs to be taken that way that, Hey, this is your only shot. And that's how every season, every game you need to have that mentality every week. Otherwise it, it just slips away. Like today was our one shot to, win all six bowl games and have the opportunity to be the first program in NCAA history to do that. And wasn't to be well said. Yeah. It's all about the small moments. Yep. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening as always. We love you. Uh, If you want to support the pod, please give us a five star review. Tell your friends, help get our listenership up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Thank you guys for listening today. And we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.